I feel like people think I'm being the awkward one. Just like, <laughs> I work here. I'm looking out. I'm not the going world. anywhere. I'm not yeah. going anywhere. You, if you, you know, avert, you avert your gaze if you don't want to, and if you don't want to avert your gaze, that's fine. What we do here is go back, 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 back. And if you feel it, you should scream it. You should shout it. And we're back. And we're back with another episode of the Bros and Brews podcast. You're joining us on a Thursday, or we're recording on a Thursday, 3.30 in the afternoon. It is episode 13 of season two, and we're back. You're here, we're here, and we're we're just ready to to roll into this one straight away. And we're going to start off this episode as we have the past four weeks, uh, three weeks, week this week being week four of Brew. Brew and brulette is a brand it. new thing Let's that that we've it. been we've been doing and and trying to uh, to apprehend the same beer purchase on both sides of this uh, and every week as it continues the the pot the money continues to grow and you the listener can win some money um but look look if you've been listening before you know the drill we know the drill we're going to get into it we're going to we're going to name the type of beer first and if we manage to get that then we'll continue onwards james you know the drill shall we do it Let's do it, bro. I'm I'm ready to to wet my lips with a refreshing <laughs> beer of yet to be discussed uh, style and or variety. <laughs> All right, on the count of three, we will name the type of beer. One, two, three. Japanese IPA. rice lager. Yeah, it's one of those. Someone one always of those. goes niche. That's it's the d- thing. Well, yeah, Someone. I know. Last week, I was like. Uh, table beer and this yeah, guy goes like what? IPA he'll go an IPA it'll be easy it'll be simple <laughs> Japanese rice lager tell me more a bro Jap- yeah a Japanese rice lager uh, it is a Moa Brewing Company oh um, yeah yeah uh, and I've never seen these beers before um, I managed to find myself another supermarket and and Moa Brewing Company had a few beers there uh, and it's called the Gojira or Gojira Gojira anyway it's got a photo or a picture of Godzilla on the front of it. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Japanese rice lager. Um, it says it's a well-balanced and super drinkable brew, low on bitterness, high on flavor. Drinkable always cracks me up as an adjective for beers because it's like, yeah, I mean, objectively, yeah, is, it is drinkable. It's what we're doing. It's a liquid. <laughs> so they got to add the, the super in just so it takes super it from like, drinkable. this is not just a liquid. You might actually enjoy it. <laughs> That's interesting. What are you man. Doing? I'm I'm interested to hear more about it. Um yeah. I've gone with uh Duncan's Whippy IPA. Um I don't know Duncan's if you've seen Duncan's Whippy. before. I actually no, think I haven't. it's uh yeah, Parparamu. Um so Greater Wellington. Oh nice. Um yeah, the Whippy IPA. It's a really funky pink and blue artwork. Um tropical lots of tropical stuff going on, but but let's um Let's crack them open, and then Let's we can then we can comment on Wait how they uh, reflect on the the description. Oh, oh yeah, a little bit of fizz. I got a, yeah, I got a bit of fizz on the uh, bottom of the mic there. I, I, <laughs> I did run down the uh, the road to the old recording studio, uh, so that'll be why there's a bit of fizz. Uh, first thoughts. Uh, nice. uh, cheers. A rude non-cheers from me. I um got too excited. So. The can describes Ooh. it as tropical, tropical, tropical. This beer Ooh. is the mango lassi of East Coast IPAs. Have you ever had a mango lassi before? 
Your Indian restaurants uh, have classic accompanying drink. No, I don't think I have. I mean, I love my mango, but I don't know if I've specifically had a mango lassie. Probably like a mango lassie. I mean, lassie mm. itself is a drink that's made with yogurt, I believe. So very creamy. I guess sort of a an Indian style, almost like milkshake, if you, milkshake, if you will. Uh, mango lassie is very nice. Um, brewed with mango, vanilla, lactose, and tons of tropical fruity hops. And on first impressions, yeah, I'd say that's... That's probably what it is. Uh, Whippy's an interesting descriptor because it's quite creamy, in a oh yeah, 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 in a weird sort of way. But definitely with the uh, the sort of sweet notes that I come to expect from uh, an IPA. How about yeah, yours? I get what, I get what you mean. Um, uh, look, it, it's probably the most like uh, I don't know. I mean, it's the first lager that I've had um, in these four weeks, I believe. Um, and I gotta say, it's 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 very very different, but in a good way. Like, it, you know, it says it's low in bitterness, um, and yeah, it's got a it says a side to let the floral and citrus notes shine. And I gotta say, it really does have that kind of um, that florally note to it. Um, you know, not like um, I was gonna say perfume, but you know, you know, perfume and cologne and scent, so they have that smell about it. It's almost like there's that in this drink, but it's not over overly pungent. I'm explaining this completely wrong, um, but it is very it is citrusy, even though it is just a lager. But there's something about that because I love my hazies, you know, I love those mm. citrus notes and things like that. So to have this in this lager, it's actually quite surprising, it's surprisingly nice to be honest. Yeah, we've um, definitely gone. I mean, in comparison to previous weeks, we've certainly pushed the boat out this week in terms of going slightly, slightly weirder. And I yeah. guess that I we're don't just know not about going you, in the same direction. Well, no, we're heading completely different directions. <laughs> Every week we do this, I think there's less and less chance of us heading on. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Which I mean I know. Is, is a brilliant reflection of the the state of the uh, craft beer world in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. the variety and excuse me, a little burp there, a little excitable burp. Um, I should say that is one of the downsides of this uh, segment on this show is Matt and I now have to continue with little micro burps throughout uh, <laughs> recording, which it takes a, uh, a deft touch and a skilled podcaster to uh, deal with. Season one, we might not have been able to, but we are, we're more than capable nowadays. Um, but yeah, l- like I said, just the range of craft beers to, to choose from and in single cans available in you know your normal supermarket, mm. not some... Um, Glen Gary or or wine and beer specialist. Um, yeah, true. It's a great reflection of the craft beer industry. But we have failed uh, for the. Is this four, five? This is the fourth. This is the fourth week. Are you sure it's not the fifth? Is it the fifth? It's week? The fifth man. Oh my gosh! Fifth? Everything's mm-hmm. just blending. When you're not yeah, working, things yeah. just blend in together. Yeah, too much time off. No, it's the fifth. The fifth week of Brulette. Oh uh, well, my apologies to the uh, intro of this uh, of this. Uh, uh, podcast episode will be uh, um but uh, yeah five if you're if you're listening to this but we have not succeeded uh the good news is the prize pool continues to rise and it has now reached a it's uh, now twenty dollars twenty dollars oh um, my gosh if this is the only part of the podcast that you listen to i did suggest to dad the other day just to start in the end that's all you'll care about um <laughs> we'll see you next week and if you want to stay with us for the rest of the journey please continue along into the bulk of this week's episode <laughs> um but aside from any sort of beer supping how are you man how are you going 
I'm well. I'm well, thank you. I'm um I've been quite tired uh the past day or so. And honestly, that's just because I've been working again at um at Barker's. Uh it's it's weird. Like, you know, I've been off for a month and really just taking it easy and, you know, trying to get things in order and hang out and see people and things. And yeah, as I said last episode, I worked uh I worked Tuesday. And then the week just gone after the episode, I worked Friday, Saturday, and I've just worked Monday and Tuesday as well. So I've worked four days within the past week. Um, And I was absolutely out of it yesterday. Um, Just, uh, it's, I've explained it to a few people. It's like riding a bike, right? Like uh, for, for me in retail and things, I've been doing it for so long that it was really easy to just go in and just get back into the mode of it all. Um, But I got to say, physically, my body was like, look, I haven't missed this. I haven't missed this. My feet haven't missed that's this. Today, my, it's the standing my, up. Oh, my feet hurt so much at work, man. And I know that's because I need better shoes and things like that, which is something I want to update in the wardrobe. I have now figured out over the past week. Um, but yeah, no, I've re- I really have just been working um, and it's been good. I mean, look, I noticed a little influx uh, in my bank account for the first time in a month, which is nice. Um, good to see it go up for the, for the first time. Um, but yeah, no, I, I have, I have been good. Like, um, it's just, I think physically getting back into that sphere has kind of been a bit of a light bulb in me being like, yeah, I don't want to do this too much. Cause I said that to myself when I left, you know, going casual, it's like, I don't want to be working too much again. I want to still have time to focus on me and focus on the things that I want to do. Even though obviously money is a big part in us trying to survive and, the thing that we things we want to do um but yeah i think yeah i definitely just want to keep on taking it easy on myself yeah but i mean yeah, it's, it's that the is, standing yeah. up that i think oh, people yeah. who haven't worked in retail or hospitality or like that's the thing that that really wears you down and obviously the long hours and stressful work dealing with the people. many people that wander this, <laughs> this earth but yeah, it's the standing that's the first thing that i noticed when i got back into doing the coffee stuff at fresh mm. was i was like these mm. shoes are unacceptable and as you know from the uh fashion episode i <laughs> doth not spend money on the clothing <laughs> um i went straight into a shoe shop well proverbially i bought two pairs of shoes online that were heavily discounted because you know got a yeah never we full like price the discounts me. yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I bought two pairs of shoes straight away because I, I, I need this. My uh, I'm really going to suffer. So, mm. yes, absolutely. Check on the soles nice. of your shoes, people. You True. maybe just haven't thought about the fact that you've had those for a year or two years, maybe even just six months. Check on the soles of your shoes. And yep. if the backs are starting to, you know, not be flat anymore, it's time to buy some new ones. Just mm-hmm. that's, that's it. Chances, or if you really have a pair of shoes you like, go get them resold. Well, there you go. The, yep. yep that you know sustainability i applaud you yep. for that i don't mm-hmm. take back what i said because you can't resalt all, all shoes no you're very right um, but explore the options yeah there's a lot out there but uh, uh anyway enough about shoes how are you <laughs> yeah i'm good thank you man um i've had a pretty good week since i last yes. saw you a couple of days yes. off mm-hmm. uh yesterday um i had a great day doing some paid creative stuff i can't really talk about what it was but what i can oh. say is for the first time i stepped foot inside the wonderful the wonderful facility that is park road post productions um in miramar in wellington new zealand uh the facility that sort of peter jackson 
uh, built to be, I guess, kind of the the editing and post-production center for New Zealand, the state-of-the-art facility. Um, they're kind of just sitting there in the middle of Miramar, this beautiful building that sort of looks like a hotel on the outside mm, or mm. a resort or a spa of some sort. Um, and in classic Kiwi fashion, it's not locked down. You don't have to buzz in through any gates. It's just a building. I mean, you would get through the front door and, you know, there's reception. And if you weren't meant to be there, you, you know, you couldn't just wander on into anything but it's so low-key but the thing about the inside is it's so beautiful like a really really amazing sort of dark wooded long corridors type uh facility and it was yeah one of the first times i've ever had that experience of going wow i'm in a you know a state-of-the-art world's uh Mm. competing Mm. best facility so more to come on that later down the wow. road when I can talk about That's specifics. So cool. But but yeah, I felt incredibly privileged to to be there, um, working on some creative stuff and Park Road posters. Being the home of editing for The Lord of the Rings and King Kong and uh, the Hobbit franchise and all many many Tintin, many many other films have been uh, put through the post production in that building. So it was amazing to be there yesterday. Um, yeah, other than that, it's just been been a pretty chill week. So a show that I'll talk about at the end of this uh, episode and what are you watching. Um, but yeah, generally pretty good. But one thing I wanted to ask you is, yes. that Penny just dropped before the episode started. Um, mm-hmm. Your birthday's coming up, man. Oh, no. Your birthday yeah. will be before the next episode. It will and be so, before the next episode, so yeah. So I just wanted to wish you a premature happy birthday. Oh, I'll, thank I'll you. wish you a a post mature not a word doesn't matter a post mature happy birthday next episode but i just wanted to ask what your what your plans are this year are you sort of are you just going to let it happen any any uh, plans to visit good friends and, and wellington i don't know sort of any yeah look to be honest i should have been on the ball with it a little bit more um about coming down to wellington cuz yeah that would have been really nice um but look to be honest i'm turning 26 and it's just, I don't know, birthdays, I feel like I'm getting to that age where it's all kind of just, it's just another day, right? I, I kind of got really over birthdays after my 21st. Um, 21st had a really big party, you know, down in Welly and stuff. And after that, I mean, obviously I celebrated and things, but I've never then been like, okay, here's an event. Like it's my birthday, here's an event. Um, so yeah, to be honest, I haven't planned anything. It's yeah, it's on Tuesday and I haven't, haven't, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. And I don't know whether that's sad or not, but I mean, like you said, I'm kind of just letting it be another day and you know, if, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's another day. <laughs> it's another day. And the other thing is if you don't go too specific with I must do birthday stuff on the birthday, it leaves you open to two weeks after birthday celebration, yeah. a midwinter yeah. birthday celebration. You <laughs> can validate coming down to Wellington and spending uh, money in May or June and say, yeah, well, that was the birthday present. Yeah, Whereas if you plan too much for your actual birthday, it's hard to validate sort of that expense, dare I say, later yeah, on. Yeah, 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 true. Live beer tastings, just to put a few ideas <laughs> in your head in case Ooh, they, uh, I like they that. weren't I like already that. there. But no, a Wellington trip is definitely going to happen. It is. I just, uh, I know I have some things coming up in May that I need to sort out. Um, and yeah, I just, yeah, I'm trying to just actually bunker down and figure out 
I'm not going to have anything here or I'm not going to have to sort something out here on a time to come down to Wellington. But Fair it enough. will happen, it will happen. Fair enough. I just thought yeah, I'd yeah. bring it up because no, no, I no, thought... No, that's good. That's no, hold me accountable. Had a look, thought, oh, it'll be before the next one. So, you know, you know so the casual listener out there, <laughs> Matt enjoys chocolates and roses. No, no. <laughs> Hit me up if you want his address. Um, no, cool, man. Good. I, I, you know, we've talked about birthdays and celebrations and Christmas and that sort of stuff before, and I applaud you for not putting uh, too much pressure on yourself because, yeah. you know, that's when it can all go wrong. And as as we know from last year, from my True. birthday, no, I won't tell any stories about about Matt. But sometimes the midweek birthdays can. No, improv lead to all sorts of uh, all sorts of shenanigans. Late nights, came home at five a.m. Uh, on my birthday when I'd gone to sleep uh, at a very reasonable time. Not that I'll go into that story. Yeah, um, please don't. <laughs> that needs to be a Patreon exclusive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll do a little yeah. snippet of that. Yeah, yeah hear what a story of the night. time. Um, no, I will cut myself short there. I don't want to. Don't want to push you. Push you into the deep end too no, much. Thanks, thanks. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, a few people know the story, but uh, we'll leave that for another time. We'll leave that for another time. Uh, 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 all right, I have a question for you. Oh yeah, go on <laughs> yes. then. Moving on. Um, yeah, this question uh, came from a conversation I had this morning, actually. Um, just to lead into it, my um, auntie works in a rest home care home, and right. she just got her first vaccination today. Oh, cool. Um, so, yep, so congratulations on the vaccine rollout and what we're doing here in New Zealand. It's getting there. Um, we're both in group four or level four, of, so we won't be getting it till, till later on. Um, but, yeah, so she just had her first jab, and, and my mum, grandma, and her were all in town, and I got a random message uh, or call from mum. She was like, hey, what are you doing? Um, let's go eat. So it was really nice. Me, yeah, all four of us, my my, my old birds of the family, uh, we all went and uh, had lunch together. And we were driving in the car and all of a sudden, because I, I did sociology in uni and things, and we just started talking about, like, you know, random interactions on streets mm-hmm. and, you know, and how we kind of function as a society and what we notice and things like that. So my, my question to you, very random, um, but my question is, when when you're walking down the street, do you find yourself making eye contact with random people? Uh, no, not really. I think, and this is not to throw your, your question into disarray, I think we might have vaguely touched on this in the past when I spoke about my um, uncomfortableness when I see people that I know in public. When you know, yeah, And I remember true. mentioning that when I see people that I know, unless they're really, really close friends, I don't try and interact with them. Yeah. Um, when it comes to strangers. Yeah. I just think, like casually walking down the road. How do you find yourself casually walking down the road? Yeah. I, you know what? I think more so I, I do more. So I do. I, I think I do actually quite a lot in comparison to saying when you see people that, you know, I think I try and keep my eye line quite high. I know there's people mm. that, you know, walk along the street, you know, will kind of look down and really um, avoid eyeline. But it's interesting you ask this question because when, where I work uh, at Fresh, it has kind of a takeaway window and it's at a very busy pedestrian crossing, yeah. the intersection of True. Wakefield and Taranaki Street, if you're in yep. Wellington. And where people cross the street uh, at the lights uh they're either walking directly away or directly towards the window 
And I mean, I'm a human being, so I like to enjoy looking out at the world and in my sort of small space, I enjoy watching the traffic go by and the people go by. But it's just strange because often people will cross, you know, the crossing and they just stare at me as they're walking towards me. Mm. And I'm stationary, so I don't have that thing of, you know, crossing someone in the street where eventually you pass the point where you've walked past each other and you never have to see that person again. Yeah, I'm just yeah. kind of sitting there or standing there, you know, gazing out and people just walking towards me. And I feel like people think I'm being the awkward one. It's like, <laughs> I work here. I'm looking out. I'm not the going world. anywhere. I'm not yeah. going anywhere. You, if you, you know, avert you avert your gaze if you don't want to, and if you don't want to avert your gaze, that's fine. But since working there, I feel like my eye contact with random strangers has increased exponentially. The amount of times mm. per day that I'm catching people's eyes is, uh, yeah, way more than I would have ever used to in the past. I feel like I would have been an eye avoider in previous years but now i don't know if it's just a product of that job like no it's just i'm gonna catch your eye and if you don't want it you can look away (laughs) yeah type thing yeah um i get you yeah how about you yeah no i'm i'm very much a avoider but i i will look if that makes sense you know you know like when you catch you when when you will awkwardly catch someone's eyes I, i i will be the one that would look away so when I'm walking down the street, I'm quite like looking up. I'm quite like, you know, uh, 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 not eye line, just kind of looking around or uh, surveying the world. And I will probably try and like, I will catch someone on the street or at least try and, because I, I, I'm a people watcher. So I like trying, you know, observing and figuring out what people are up to. And so if I'm walking past someone on the street, I will kind of look at them. But if they try and look at me, I am like, I'm either like, you know the the fake like oh wait what's that over oh, there or, just, oh just yeah, look, at the, look at the ground kind oh, of thing yeah. yeah so I'm very there I I don't like holding eye contact um, but I have found myself lately being <laughs> I don't I don't want to sound creepy or anything like that it's just an observation I've had on myself and my my human psyche but now that I'm single I find myself trying to catch eye contact with women. You know, just mm-hmm. in that sense of just that that small, quick little interaction, and if if we do kind of catch eyes and look at each other, and then we walk past each other, I walk off being like, "Yeah, we noticed each other," but then that's it. I haven't got anything. I won't do anything else because I don't have the balls to do anything else. Um, <laughs> I have noticed myself doing that, um, but yeah, no, I I just I I find I find it really interesting. Um, minute social interactions because us as human beings and stuff it's it's weird like we we and this is where the kind of conversation goes into is we do run with like social norms right there is like a script that we kind of follow as as a society um and it comes from the thing that when you make eye contact with someone in public that you don't necessarily know it's almost seen as hostile yeah you know, or like that awkward, I think awkward can be another word for hostile. So when we do make eye contact with someone, we don't, we, we can't, we avoid it because mm. it's like, oh no, we shouldn't do that. And it's exactly the same as if you see someone running down, the, like running in the streets, you think, oh, something's wrong or like something's up because we don't usually run in the streets. So it's weird seeing people run in the streets. I run a lot. I, I feel, I feel <laughs> I give people that energy because sometimes I'm just like, <laughs> I just need to get somewhere slightly faster. Just slightly faster. I don't look at bus timetables. 
uh, I kind of refuse to. I'm just finish up when I finish, and I go. Well, I know the bus is a five minute walk or a two minute run, <laughs> and the window of opportunity could change within that three minutes. So sometimes I just run like not down Courtney Place, but mm. across areas where other people might be walking. And I yeah. do think sometimes people probably aren't that slightly confused about me running, but I've just learned to brush that off. I've just nah, learned to go, well, yeah. it's only about me getting to this this place. Exactly. And I don't actually think I'm causing people panic, but no. I understand what you say about yeah. the, the perceived awkwardness between random people. And I think there is something quite different about everyone walking on a footpath is kind of within the same they're operating on the same level. Everyone is getting from a point yes. A to a point B, unless yep. you, unless it's a weekend and you're wandering aimlessly. But I think that's probably less what we're talking about than, you know, you just happen to be going to the supermarket or you're doing something during the day. I mean, it's pretty rare for people to wander with no sense of purpose. And if you do, good on you. If you walk for good the sake you. of walking, great. What I've found very different about working at Fresh is the interaction and again this is sort of what you said before kind of sounds a bit wrong but i don't think it's is like the power levels are completely different mm. because i'm stationary and i'm operating a business so i actually want people to engage with me true not in like hello how are you going i actually had one person within the first week of me working there come up to me um come up to the window and be like Oh, you know, you should you talk to people. You know, you know, when people when people are at the uh, pedestrian crossing, do you ever just chat? Some like people love that. I was like, cool, man. Thank you for uh, telling me how to do my job. <laughs> I didn't actually say that to her, but in my head, I was like, yeah, no, 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 no. just no. Shut up. Who are you? <laughs> anyway, ignore that person. Um, but the 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 power stakes are different because mm. I'm like, if I can catch someone's eye, that might not necessarily mean that they will come and get something off me this time, but there'll be some kind of personal interaction there. Oh yeah. And you've entered their subconscious. Yeah. And it's funny what you say about, uh, catching eyes of, of women. Well, now that you're single, I find that I'm not actively trying to catch people's eyes, but I think mm. if it happens, I'm no longer doing the avoidance thing. And because yep. fresh is, yep. is, uh, it's hard to describe, but there's quite a long wall, a glass wall of the barbershop. So often people not walking directly at me, will I can see them walking along the pavement and looking in at the barbershop. And it's like, I know their eyeline is going to look in the window at me in like three, two, one. And sometimes I'll, I'll actually be like, all right, here they come. And sometimes I'll be like, <laughs> this person can just walk past. Like, yep. You know, that you get a free pass this time, but, but working on such a busy corner, has completely, you know, added an, a new dimension to how I interact with the public. And I found myself doing the old eyebrow raise way more than I yeah, would have yeah, in the yeah, past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think it's less awkward to recognize that you've caught someone's eye and show them that you're recognizing that it's happened with the little eyebrow raise than to do the awkward look away or just sustain gaze and yeah. never smile yeah. or anything. You're all just looking at it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No yeah. change but it's in a- facial <laughs> structure at all. Yeah, yeah, I found myself doing the, we've engaged, there's a micro sociology thing going on here yeah. Yeah. rather than in the past where I probably would have done that. Oh, yeah. Oh, the sun's oh, in oh, the wow. sky. Oh, Amazing how that, that happens sometimes. Uh, 
yeah no i don't i don't know what you mean and i think uh, it's it's amazing how powerful eyesight is mm-hmm. i mean you think even in like a uh, a relationship or an intimate relationship right like ice like you know the gazing into each other's eyes or or com- like just casual conversation with friends and things um just looking into someone else's eyes it's very connective like mm. it's, you know there's a mm. lot of connectiveness in there and so i think that's where this whole kind of awkward hostility comes from in the sense of if there's someone you don't really know looking into their eyes kind of gives off that that look and that vibe and i remember when i was doing sociology at uni it was it was such a fascinating thing talking about these random inter- interactions on the street because you're talking about you know we're all on the footpath and we're all you know walking but you wouldn't think trying to avoid someone is a social interaction yeah because it's so minute right but it is you guys are literally trying to navigate each other within a few seconds to make sure that you don't hit each other or whether you're you know making eyesight or a nod or a smile or something like that it's all of these small little social interactions that we don't necessarily think about but we go on autopilot about and i think that's what i said about the subconscious because one thing that fascinates me is when it comes to dreams you know you have dreams and you see people but you have no idea who these people are yeah those are people that you've seen in real life because during during dreams in our subconscious we can't make up faces so we we recycle faces that we've seen in real life so it's so the yeah so the people you see in your dreams are people that you've seen in real life whether it's tv or you know a movie or something like that um so it's it's just amazing what can enter our subconscious from a small social interaction or just observing and can yet enter into something like that in a dream Mm. or you know in a in a memory or a thought it's just it's yeah i found it very i found it very interesting this conversation that i was having with my family um so i wanted to uh, ask you about eyes and eyesight talking about your eyes um <laughs> one last thing that i want to touch off that's only just sort of come to me and is actually something that i'm trying to get actively better at in terms of eye contact and how that engages with public space is i remember reading a couple of years ago or you know engaging with someone about this certain topic and they were talking about uh homeless people people that live on Mm. the street Mm. and who whether they are actively engaging with the general public asking for uh charity or if they're just existing on the street i remember being uh engaged in a certain way by someone that was suggesting that actually the worst thing that you can do for, and I'm going to use the term homeless people here to, to cover all people that um, live on the street in whatever capacity, that avoiding their eye contact mm. is actually the worst thing that you can do yeah. for them. And I'm speaking as someone that does this a lot. I'm trying to get better at it. Um, avoiding their eye contact is the kind of the, the most demeaning thing that you can do because it, it can make people feel like they're not human that yeah, they're truly no, exactly. avoiding people's eye contact it makes them feel not seen or that you don't want to have a look at them you know again i'm incredibly fortunate uh, as a you to have never experienced that kind of lifestyle um that kind of poverty but i would imagine that for people who live on the street they don't expect every single person who walks past to have change or have some Mm. kind of charity or be able to help them out but 
in the least cheesy way possible, like eye contact is is free. And yeah, if you so engage true. in eye contact with someone, you aren't signing off that through that eye contact, you are agreeing to give them money or anything else. And I think trying to better myself in public space and recognize that, uh, you know, you don't have to, uh, you know, you are not obligated to give money to anyone on the street. Mm. But that doesn't mean that you should actively ignore their existence. And sometimes I find I'm better at this than other times. Sometimes I'll feel, uh, you know, a strength of will enough and and a compassion to, you know, Walk, as you walk past those people, look into their eyes, smile at them, and then you move on with your day. You move on um, with whatever's going on. But sometimes I don't do that, and I do feel really guilty about that because yeah, I yeah. can imagine, you know, you know when someone's avoiding your eye contact, whether it's someone you know or a stranger. There's a certain kind of aversion that goes on, um, and that's something that within public space, I, and I think the the overall me trying to get better at accepting eye contact and enjoying it for the, mm. the microcosm that it is um that is something that i'm trying to get better at uh because you know there's quite a homeless population in in wellington and if you don't have the loose change or anything else to contribute to them you know eye contact and a smile i don't want to say goes a long way but it's not something that we should actively avoid and that's something yeah. that i want to be accountable for and i'm trying to get uh better at yeah, nice brother. Nice. I respect that. I respect that a lot. Um, and yeah, you're so right. I, I've definitely noticed it here in Auckland as well. You know, just down Queen Street in the homeless population. Um, I do admit, I, 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 I really, honestly, I, I chuck out a hand in their direction and I say sorry. You know, uh, whether they're asking me for money or something, because I, I don't, I don't ever carry change around with me. Um, but I do. Yeah, uh, uh, you're so right. And I think uh, it, it comes from that whole that that guilt you know if you interact with this person and you can't necessarily help them then you're going to feel guilty for some reason whereas if you just kind of walk past and ignore them then it's like well oh, i never noticed that person i'm fine i can continue but yeah no i know what you mean um i i eyesight is is definitely a powerful thing and it is used in absolutely 24 <laughs> 7 of our lives apart from when we're sleeping obviously um although i don't know we we look into our into our uh, into our dreams as I was saying, uh, and anyway, never, I'm going you never yeah you never know off. when catching eye contact with someone might be the start of something beautiful. I mean, start of something beautiful. Into it, but, that's what I'm doing. But, I'm, that's what I'm trying, look, man. I'm trying. That's what I'm trying. <laughs> friend of my backstory is we caught each other's eyes in the line for a Wellington bar, and yeah. many years <laughs> down the line. So, you know, I don't. You, uh, eye contact is, is powerful we won't go yeah, into that story maybe yeah, another episode maybe another um, episode <laughs> yeah you n- never know there might be some wonderful person walking past you one day and you catch their eye and you walk past them and they stop and they go actually you know what that guy's that, that guy's a catch and they come <laughs> running down like me down the street after you going wait that was meaningful what's your name <laughs> you never know that could happen man you never know never you know. never know it'll happen it'll, it'll happen it'll happen yeah it'll, it'll definitely happen One day. Um, enough One day. about eyes we've gone yes too, we move on too, we move too, on too in depth we move on on to what this is about yeah on to what this is about <laughs> um yeah, this week is one of our uh, performance uh, weeks. Um, is it? This is a performance week, isn't it? It's a performance it's week. A performance yep. week. Um, 
I feel like my brain has been somewhat baffled trying to figure out the flavor profile of Duncan's Whippy IPA. So that is my excuse for sort of, sort of the weird, weird thoughts going through my head at the moment. Um, but it's performance week, and this week, rather than uh, doing something sort of live, uh, which we will come back to. We, we will we do again. You know, we, we will, will do, do again. again. Fear not. Um, kind of off the back of last week's in-depth look into coffee, we wanted to talk about ongoing projects, you know, stuff that we are, are working on at the moment actively, things that have kind of been on the back burner for a while. And as I was saying last week with this coffee documentary that I want to get into, the, I guess this, this, the struggle and endless possibility of being a creative person and constantly trying to make new stuff. I mean, the, the classic... I guess trope of actors is us sitting by the phone and waiting for a call to come through. That's like, you have a 10 year, 10 series TV show. All the waiting was worth it. Um, worth it. That doesn't happen. And I guess, yeah, the, the classic cases way that people described is you have to make your own stuff. You have to get on with creating things and network and, and build your own creative reputation. And, yeah, I think the older that we get and as we, uh, you know, yourself moving out of work and myself being in work but trying to create more stuff uh, as I as I work through 2021, we wanted to talk about some of the projects that we've got on the go and things we'd like to make and things that are kind of, I guess, long-term and, and the difficulties of being uh, a creative and how we have so many... I guess that's it. We have so many ideas and we get so excited mm-hmm. by the prospect of mm-hmm. making stuff. But a lot of the time isn't as simple as going, oh, yeah, I'll go and make that documentary or like, I'll write that show. There's all this other stuff that can get in the way. And even if you're the most completely driven person, sometimes it's more complicated than that. But we wanted to share with each other and share with you guys things that are, are interesting to us and things that we are, uh, I guess, excited to pursue this year and and even more long term i mean where do you where do you want to start with it with it all now i guess that you ironically have worked a few days at barkas but (laughs) have you found now that you've been not full time for a couple of weeks do you find the extra spare time is really making you think right what do i want to do have you experienced that feeling of being like i have time and i don't know where to put that time into um yeah, how's your creative yeah. psyche been over the last few weeks? Yeah, I think I, I definitely it's been on it's been on kind of the backburners. I think uh, you know a bit of advice and and stuff from other people was just to have a break um, after working full time was really just to kind of yeah just reset um, and not kind of put my mind onto too much. I mean, obviously I've got um, I've got my mind on you know, agencies and stuff as we've talked about in the past and things. So my mind is always on that and slowly ticking through and editing a few things so I can have that already. Um, but yeah, I think I, for, for me, I've always, I've, I've loved like when it came to doing shows and things, I loved when it came to like devising and stuff you know really creating your own work and things and i've i've got notepads and you know phone notepads oh, sorry phone, <laughs> notes on my phone as well um of ideas and shows and thoughts and quotes and things that always pop up um and i do i do have a few things that i would like to start creating in the next year or two um i'm just trying to find the the next little bit of motivation in myself to start doing that you know um i've got a solo show that i would really like to start 
um, writing and, and getting on its feet and trying to devise with myself and, and things like that. But I've also got another show which could involve anywhere from six to six to ten people as well. And I, I really love the idea and concept behind it, but it's now trying to figure out, well, who are those people? Uh, you know, I've got to potentially write this thing, um, produce it. Do I do I approach a, a, a theater or do I approach a company or do I make a company? You know, I think that's a, I think that's where I'm at in that sense of I would I would absolutely love to create a company, you know, and, you know, you someone's doing this and this and this and actors and all of that. And you um, could put on as much work as you, you possibly can, you know, production wise and stuff. Um, but that seems like a, a real big pipeline dream to me at the moment. So I think for me in the, in the most simplest form of what I'm trying to do for myself right now is obviously get an agent, but I really just need to start writing, man. I really need to start writing because as you were saying, I have so many ideas, um, that just get lost because I don't do anything with them. And I think I really just need to start fleshing things out because, uh, you know, I, if I can get a concept that I can tell someone and it excites them, you know, then that's someone else on, on the bandwagon that I can have and we can start creating this thing. So, yeah, I think that's where I'm kind of struggling at the moment is just trying to, to keep networking, you know, and get people because I, I, I feel like I'm very much if there's some if there's people around me that are excited about something, then I can get really excited about something. I find it very hard to kind of excite myself, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm finding that difficult, but I'm also not I'm trying not to put too much pressure on myself as well. Yeah, I totally understand that. And I think we're cut from a similar cloth that I have lots of ideas, but a lot of the time you get caught up on bringing someone else into the project whether it's yeah. a show or a company or a film it's hard when it's just yourself and i think a lot of the times the biggest step in turning an idea into a reality is getting a second person along mm. and there have been a lot of uh ideas that i've had over the last couple of years that have stalled because i've never found that second person and i think there is a certain uh, personal creative development that I'm trying to work through, which is not allowing myself to stall because of not having other people. True. Either being more actively pursuant of people that I know or lowering my standards of who I think are the right people Mm. or, or, or just going about it yourself. There's a thing I talked about. I've talked about it way, way, way back. Um, this, uh, book by uh, a practitioner called Anne Bogart and then you act who wrote this book all about uh, creating work in the post 9-11 world in America and she was saying that one of the things you can't get caught up on is sort of forming the perfect team yeah. you can't wait around for your dream squad to assemble like the Avengers because the chances <laughs> are it just will not happen mm. and you have to kind of make do with what you have and kind of pick a few people and just go and trust that if the work is good, more people will join. And that's something that I've been really trying to get better at over the last year is, is not like, well, this is a really great idea, but it won't come to fruition unless I have the right director and the right producer. And even though a lot of the time that is true, but not letting that stop work from being made. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think 
you you kind of have to pick one thing and go with it whether it's you're just going to write the thing or if you're going to put yourself in the steps of of being the producer you have to say this is my job as the producer is to get people on board and it's not my creative thing or i have to find a director for my show and if i can only find someone who isn't in my top five or top ten however arbitrary that may sound you just got to find someone and Mm. and trust that through your creative energy you'll you will make it happen but I've absolutely been there. I mean, at the moment, I feel like I have lots more side projects on than I do uh, acting stuff. And even today, yeah. I've realized that one of the projects had sort of jumped above something else. And that other mm-hmm. thing, which I'd been really actively pursuing the last couple of weeks, I've now gone, hmm, I think that's going to go by the wayside because I'm more interested in this other thing. And that's the great game is trying to keep yourself your fingers in many pies and stay interested, yeah. but also recognize that if you, if you only dabble with a few things, probably nothing will ever get made. True. Um, true. One thing that I wanted to touch on this week as it relates to both, uh, projects and, and agent stuff as well. Um, I had, uh, an, an email come through from one of my agents who very kindly, was only making me aware of something that was on kind of going, Hey, there are auditions for this. I just wanted to pass it on to you. So, you know, it wasn't them asking me to audition. It wasn't even something that they would potentially get a cut from. It was just the agent being like, Hey, this is on. You should know, which was amazing. Um, and I won't go into the specifics of the show, but I guess the breakdown of what mattered was it was uh, a, a national tour of something that was, I had to audition for it. Um, Mm -hmm. and I would have actually had to come to Auckland to audition for it. And it would have been a national tour for multiple months with pretty good money, um, on a show that was in the realms of, let's just say kids theater. And initially when she mentioned it to me, I went, wow, like that's really good money. It's a great opportunity. It's a national tour. I could get some things out of that. Of course, I'm going to go to Auckland and audition for this thing. And then over the next couple of days, my perspective on it changed because they went, well, if I do that, let's, let's go through the hypothetical. Of if I audition and if I get the job, what does that mean for everything else Yeah, that I want to do? Mm. And I think this brings me to the great realization that I've been having over the last couple of days. I mean, I've been working through it for the last few years, but I, I think I really, really, the penny dropped on it was the the concept of opportunity cost for creatives and if you commit to one thing then the chances are you may miss the opportunities on some other things because there aren't very many projects that allow you to do other projects on the side especially you know national tour they're paying you good money intensive show that's a certain commitment for a certain amount of time. And that's what they're paying you for is for you to be committed to it. And as I was considering this, I went from going amazing, good money, see a bit of New Zealand. It's a show, a theater show to actually within 48 hours, I'd gone, how much does that amount of money actually matter to me at the moment? And will it change my situation? No. Will this thing, uh, challenge me in my craft as an actor will i benefit from it how much you know will i develop from it and i decided no, there are a few things but not that much um will it help my career and having people you know 
be exposed to me and see my work and go cool to someone we want to work with in the future definitely not and then you know what is the opportunity cost of it what will it stop me from doing will it stop me from working on these projects that i want to work on at the moment will it stop me from self-taping and ultimately as i weighed things up i went you know what that amount of money for that kind of time is nothing compared to the the inability to work on stuff that i want to work on which i had this conversation with my friend alice who i went to drama school with and is living in sydney and i said where's the you know we're in the gray area of is it almost egotistical to turn down paid work and again i should state something i would have to audition for might not even get Mm -hmm. but hypothetically to turn down paid work as an actor as a performer which is what you've wanted to do and that's all about being a professional and that is your career is it almost borderline egotistical to turn down that job opportunity simply because you feel it's like not good enough for you i'm not saying that's what i thought but like that is a kind of an overarching Mm. concept that all these other things go into it's not worth my while it's not worth this money or is it the other end of the spectrum where you say actually no i value myself enough as a creative now i know what i want to do this project doesn't fulfill those requirements and even though the alternative is in that three months that i might have been on you know that thing I might do nothing, but the opportunity cost to not do the other stuff is greater than the satisfaction of the job. Yep. And that's yep. really been going through my mind over the last few weeks. And I think in a nice way has been a real kick up the backside to go, if you're not going to do that stuff and you're not going to take those opportunities, you really need to be doing, making work, doing stuff, doing yeah. stuff because there are opportunities to do other things and you aren't accepting them. So, yeah, I think in a positive way, the last week I've really gone, right, well, if I'm not going to do that, if I'm going to turn down that hypothetical job, then I really need to bring these other things to uh, fruition. And I think the uh, the chat we had last week about coffee, because I do want to make this coffee documentary, and I have already mm-hmm. done significant work on it in the last week, was really powerful in helping me to get things, get things going. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, good. Yeah, does that make sense? No, that makes total sense. That makes total sense, man, for sure. Because uh, I, I, I know, for instance, that uh, one big pet peeve uh, for people, whether it be uh, directors or producers or, or something or whatever, is obviously accepting a job and then leaving that job for another job. Yeah. You know, I know that that's a really big, obviously big pet peeve in the industry because if you're going to commit to something then you need to commit to it so like you were saying you did the pros and cons of accepting this one thing and actually that's not beneficial so it's not like you accepted it and then you're like actually no this other thing's popped up i've got to do this now you were like yeah you you weighed that up i've um, been in situations before where someone's um, accepted a role and then they've you've been like yep gonna do it and then they've declined it because they got a role for something else because they thought that would be more beneficial for them which is that kind of i don't know i find that almost worse in itself yeah um you know if you yeah it's almost like okay better off better off on this other thing then anyway i totally get what you're trying to say totally get what you're trying to say um and And that happens to everyone i just wanted to say like it doesn't matter how high you are in the industry i one of my favorite stories to tell it's not my story but recounting a story (laughs) is uh simon Pegg from uh hot fuzz uh fame and many many other works he i read uh 
some long time ago had to make the decision whether to do the Tintin franchise, uh, the film that I mentioned recently at the top of this episode, <laughs> or which he was you know an integral part of, or be the character in Inglorious Bastards. Uh, who I'm trying to think of the name of the the actor. Um, filibuster. What was the character? Filibuster. Do you know? Yeah, the 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 English guy that. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> I'm trying to look up the cast. The English guy in Glorious Bastards. Yeah, you know he turns up at the end and to help lead the the message and then gets spoilers. Shot. Michael Fassbender. Sorry, that was a long. Filibuster. Oh yes, yes, yes. It was yes, actually yes. quite a small part. He's not in it for very long. He only comes no. at the end of the film, but. But because Michael Fassbender made that character so fantastic, you view it as a really big part of the movie. And so Simon yeah. Pegg was offered that role versus the Tintin thing. And it's like, well, probably Inglorious Bastards was much bigger than the Tintin movie ended up being. But it was only bigger because Michael Fassbender was brilliant in that role. Mm. You, know, mm. you know, could the Tintin thing had been even bigger than it was? But I guess the point I want to make is it doesn't matter how successful you are you still have to choose projects and the shooting time or the rehearsal time will always stop you from doing other stuff. It's not just because we're at the period of our career that we're at. You can be the absolute top of your game and actually probably you have to make more decisions than anyone else. So it's a constant realization that this is what this industry is and this is what this career is, is is prioritizing what satisfies you creatively and where do you want to pour your energy into? Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think that's just it, and I think that's why, you know, obviously, as a conversation that we want to have today is, yeah, like, what are we, what are we, what are we interested in doing? Because as we've talked about before in other episodes, it's yeah, if, if work's not coming in, we've kind of got to be keep on, I don't know, ticking the creative, you know, part of our brain over and over because it's what we want to do, and I, I think that's also one thing that kind of kind of came to my head before is the fact that we started doing this podcast yeah bro this is one you of know them. I, I wrote yeah. that down as well like let's not yeah. forget that this takes at least six hours of our week the best part of one afternoon and, and evening and it's a serious serious and again this sounds like a negative but it's not it's a creative drain because we have to mm. pour a certain amount of effort into it and yeah. yeah sure we don't have to do episodes every week we could cut back we could you know, make this show of lesser quality or lesser volume but we've decided that this is something that we want to do and we want to keep doing and and i think that's something that you and i don't remind each other enough is that a year and a half ago if you'd said to us hey you guys will have done 43 episodes and you'll be doing it every week and it'll be 90 minutes and it'll be this <laughs> significant creative outlet we were doing like whoa there'll be yeah, no time for anything that's else a lot. yeah <laughs> but, but this is a, a constant this is didn't I don't want to say the number one thing we're doing at the moment, but it's it's a creative project that we're constantly doing. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, for me, it's definitely the number one thing that I'm doing, you know? Uh, and I think that's what's driving me to continue to want to make and, and create. I mean, I know that obviously we're not we're not acting, you know, as you guys are listening to us. We're very natural. It's us. We're just having a conversation about things that we absolutely love and think that are interesting and that you guys would find interesting. Um, but for me, that's there's a, still very much a big creative part of putting it together and, you know, giving you guys artwork on instagram and all of that kind of stuff you know not if 
might not be coming from from me, but for, from all of us collaboratively, collaboratively that bring it to you. Um, but yeah, I, I think yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of things I I want to do. Um, it's just trying to find. Well, it's just starting somewhere, really. I find that with me. I think it's just starting somewhere. I'm not a good writer. I'm not. I've I've never really been a good writer. I'm I'm a lot better with the spoken word. I like to think. That's why I like acting. Um, but yeah, I think I I definitely have some 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 things on the horizon that I'm gonna do. Yeah, talk to um, me, bro. What are the what are the projects? Be they short term, <laughs> long term? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I, the first thing is a solo show. Mm-hmm. I've never done a solo show before. Um, I I mean, I'm sorry. I've been involved in a solo show. Um, but it wasn't like I wasn't the one uh, up front, you know. It wasn't. It wasn't all about me. You were the um, literal was, hand behind was, the screen of the solo I was the show. hands. Not that yeah, I saw ex- it, but yeah, no. But exactly, I was. I was the backstage hand, but literal hand on stage. Um, but I loved being a part of that process, even though, like I said, it wasn't necessarily all about me. That whole kind of solo aspect and collaborative nature of it all. It, it was such a hard show to do, um, and I'm good friends with Britt, uh, who was the solo in that show, and we've had conversations about that show and what that did to us mentally and creatively and things, and it was hard. Um, but I've really come to the conclusion that I want to solo show myself as well, to, to show myself that I can do that on stage, because I've always been in shows where I'm with other people. And I love that because I love collaborating and bouncing off other people. But I feel like um, the next kind of part or thing that I want to really challenge myself is to hold an audience just by myself. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, it's it's really weird. I had this idea for a solo show um, before certain things happened in my life. Um, and then it actually happened to me, uh, which was like, okay, um, almost reinforced the idea a little bit. And now I have a little bit of... <laughs> emotional memory um but yeah my my solo show idea is is basically um you know look if whether you've you've heard it before or seen it before and stuff it's we can obviously all make things our own um but it's basically a guy who is in an apartment or a house or something um and he has to pack up the lives um, because his ex has left him or broken up with him or no longer in the picture of some sort. Well, like I said, still haven't come to the conclusion of what that is. But it's basically a man going through the different stages of grief of packing up and reliving uh, all of these memories and presenting them to an audience. Mm. I'm, I'm really interested in um, like no fourth wall. I, I think, um, you know, proscenium arch, uh, traditionally you're you're you know putting it making a film on on stage and you don't really interact with the audience the audience is there to see what's there but i i really love interaction with audiences and absolutely no fourth wall so it would be the main character on stage um presenting the their lives or and, and his grief with the audience so the audience is very much there with him um so yeah, that's a, the basic like crux of it, um, and then I'm also really interested in the like format of screen as well, because I thought I don't see it much. I mean, you see it a little bit, but I absolutely love um, like uh, TVs or projectors on stage. Um, you know, that just another element away from theater. You know, from from stage itself. Um, so you know, almost interjecting 
you know like imagine if this guy is rumbling through stuff and he finds like an old uh camera or an old uh videotape or these files on his laptop or you know vhs however old or old school you want to go with it um and he starts playing these videos to the audience so the audience can see a flashback like what you'd see in a movie obviously um so one one uh, one that would add another element to uh the audience seeing on stage um but two it would be really cool as a performer to also create a a video format aspect of it like almost like a short film so creating you know so creating a short film of these past experiences or memories or whatever and then being able to present that on stage during the show as well um which I think I, I, I'm really interested in and I, I, I find very cool. Um, so, yeah, that's the basic kind of look and feel of, of the solo show that I want to happen. As I said, I haven't, I haven't drawn it all out yet, um, but I, I definitely want it to, you know, the basic theme of it to just kind of d- discuss, you know, grief and depression because that's definitely a big thing that hit me last year with my breakup. Um, was kind of just having to, yeah, just like look at everything and try and process what's going on and and after as well and just kind of looking back at everything as we've all gone through different breakups and different points in our lives. But I think the thing with that I'm trying to figure out is how I make that, um, I mean, accessible, but also, I don't know, a different format on stage because we've all felt that and we've all seen it in different things, but I'm just trying to figure out how it's going to be uh, interesting and a new point of view, at least. That's the thing that I'm trying to figure out. Love the pitch, bro. Um, I think the the exploration of, of using different medium within theatre is awesome. Yeah. Like that yeah. and the little nugget of essentially f- creating a short film for the purpose of then using it as a memory point that yeah. that's awesome that that, mm. that is really really something to run with um i'm absolutely there with you with with solo theater i think uh yeah probably 18 months ago was the first time i'd really considered it and when i was in london i was like i need to create something for myself i was having struggles with the agent finding an agent and i was going you know what kind of i need to put something on myself you know stuff everyone else i'll put yeah. this on carry it on my back and then that'll <laughs> that'll help me be successful <laughs> no but there's something about solo theater where you kind of take it all on your back and as you say you have to captivate an audience by yourself mm. um and yeah that's definitely been something that's been present with me for the last wee while so i mean it's man i we actually haven't talked about this sort of stuff in any great depth uh off the podcast um mm. i mean we chat all the time but we but, but yeah I, i'm also i guess in the early stages of working on a solo show at the moment uh with one of our fellow collaborators ben wilson mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. which we're kind of yeah i feel like last couple of weeks ago we met up and we had a real big breakthrough with it um we're not quite sure what it is yet so i won't go into the specifics of of the idea but i guess where ben and i have been coming from uh to try and attack attack this project is when i came back from the uk and when i had my 
quote-unquote holiday i'd met ben and was actually asking him permission to do one of his previous solo shows in the uk because i said to him i've seen this show it's always stuck with me i'd love to do it um and over a year later we've kind of abandoned that idea there was another show that i thought i would do that was someone else's solo show from the 90s that i'd sort of gotten from play market and eventually decided no actually i think i don't think i want to do anyone else's work even ben's work i Mm. want to be in there from the creative process so i'm absolutely there with you i think the hard thing with solo theater and creating it is because there's a smaller pool of people the accountability is on you to make process with it whereas if you're part of a show with 10 people whether you're devising it or it's someone else's script things tend to move a lot quicker and the hard thing about solo theater is i'm sure you are finding and will find is you have to go right i have to keep writing this thing i have to keep making progress (laughs) because no one else even if you have a writer or a director with you there's no great system in place that's going to be like right you need to hash this thing out so exactly yeah solo theater is definitely something um that is one of my projects at the moment um obviously the coffee doc is another thing yes 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 and i guess with that it's very different to theater in that i know to make what i want to make is going to cost a fair bit of money and so i know applying for grants whether it be the new zealand film commission or some other entity is going to be a really important aspect of this i won't be able to get this made without five ten thousand dollars the 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 ceiling of the the project that i want to make Mm and you could do it self-funded but the idea that i have and the amount of work that i want to put into it i want it to be something that costs a bit of money to to make because you know you have to hire sound people and editors and certain people need to be paid for their time i don't expect to make any money from it but i know with documentary a certain amount of money is needed where it's solo show you can kind of put it on you know you're not going to pay yourself to do work which is a downside but you can put it on for free in a sense whereas this documentary the kind of stuff that i'm waiting through at the moment is 50 percent. what are the creative elements the questions that i want to ask all stuff helped from the episode last week the other 50 percent is how much is this going to cost how am i going to get funding for it when is feasible to shoot it is this going to be six months down the line could I do it in three months? How long is it going to take? All these questions of financing that is so boring, like the admin behind it. That's why you have a producer. But yeah, even just finding a producer, normally they need some kind of vested interest or they need to be paid for it. So finding the grant is probably the first thing. So at the moment, that's something that I'm pouring a lot of time into and energy into it. And it's very, very different from the writing the solo show because there's a lot more admin involved in it and whereas with the show as i imagine will be similar to you it's do i write the thing do i just get into a room do Mm. i devise it do i find a Mm. director first do i work with the themes do i just get some words down whereas with the documentary it's do i get all the people involved that i want to make it and then try and get funding or do you need to do the funding pitch first because it will take months to get that back and then hope you get the money. And then if you get the money, then start approaching Then people. scramble. I've yeah, gone more yeah. down the first route. I'm trying to get as many people involved as possible so that whenever I write my pitch, I can say, hey, this person and this person and this person yeah, and this nice, person in nice. the industry. But it's just a very different process. And, and literally today, I don't work on Thursdays. I was balancing those two things. 
trying to get creative ideas down for writing the show and also doing admin of how am I going to contact this person? You know, is it best to do email or through Facebook or through the mutual friend that I have that put me onto them? Um, but those are, I guess, the two big things uh, for me at the moment. Another really interesting thing is uh, I have a friend, uh, James Copperston Farmer, who I went to school with in the UK, who's an amazing uh, director and editor and animator. He is has written this uh, animated series, um, <gasps> which he's been working on for years and years and years. And I remember him showing me the drawings at, at Bristol Vic and going, wow, those are really, really cool. And over the last year, he has been making more progress with it. And I've done some sort of sample voices for him for some of the characters. Ooh. And he's written most of the scripts and certainly has written the full pilot episode. And over the last few weeks, I've been helping him with, you know, what are the scenes that best represent it? Are jokes, some jokes not working? What needs to be shaved? What needs to be expanded? Are the characters introduced well enough? Um, but I think it's what he's done is is brilliant. I mean, you look at a show like Bojack Horseman, mm. uh, I guess Bob's Burgers is another example, shows that are, I don't want to say cheaply animated, but they they have a certain rustic aesthetic yeah. and shows that involve talking animals. I guess Futurama is, is an example um, from you know an earlier decade, but... Yeah, I read the the pilot a few times. It's brilliant. The writing's great. I would watch it. Um, <laughs> I think other people would find it brilliant. And I said to him, like, this just needs to be made. We just well, need to get money for it somehow, which is the frustrating yeah. thing. And you, you kind of go, well, this is go- this is really good and people would watch it. There's no reason why this couldn't be on Netflix. And then it's just, how do you get the thing <laughs> How yeah, do you get how do you mates? do that? How do you get it? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that question will be answered because hey, I'll probably cool. do a couple of voices for it. But that that's something <laughs> that, again, is completely different because I'm working with someone on the other side of the world mm. who I can't see in person. And I'm kind of consulting on something that's very much his project. But the more yep. I get inv- interested in it, the more invested I get in it, the more I'm like, oh, well we need to find you some money, bro. Rather than just sitting back and going, yeah, I hope this person makes the show so that I can be a voice actor on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to not get sucked into it, but that's something that has, is going on in the background that I think is more of like a year from now, two years from now, hopefully we can look back and be like, yeah, I talked about it on the show before this, the animated (laughs) series, series took off. Um, yeah, it's That's nice amazing. to be working on a project that is self driven by someone else and there's only so much I can do. But some mm-hmm. days I'm like, Oh, this is so great like you need to get it made, you know? Yeah, that's so cool. That's so cool. I, I, that's definitely a dream of mine is to do voice acting like that. Whether it's an animation or I mean, total dream would be to do uh voice acting for a video game. Yeah. Or or like even mo capture for a video game. I think that would be so sick. Just my two big worlds colliding together. I think that'd be so much fun. Um, but yeah, you speaking on like other people's projects and stuff. There's a, there's a, I got, I actually don't know if I told you the story. I think I did. I got contacted about a, a few weeks ago, a month ago, maybe, um, by an old school friend of mine. And I, I haven't seen or talked to him in uh, eight years since we finished school. Um, didn't talk to him once after school and he contacted me a few weeks ago and he was like uh hey man are you still acting like that's what he asked me just straight up just said hello um are, are you still acting at all 
um, because I was really into it in in high school and um, he must have, obviously, we're friends on Facebook, seen that I'm still going. Uh, Anyway, I gave him, you know, my life story over the past few years and what I'm up to and stuff. Um, And yeah, I know that he's been producing and making music and he was like, yeah, well, no, basically I've got this idea for um, my first music video and I, I would like you to act in it. I was like, oh, uh, yeah, that would be like uh, great. I'd love to do that. Let me check my calendar. See if yeah, I have let, me time. Check, let me check my calendar. I was like, are you still, are you in Hamilton? He's like, yeah, I'm still living in Hamilton, but I'm thinking of moving up to Auckland. Um, but what I'll do is I'll contact you in a little bit and we'll, we'll figure it out. So I haven't, I haven't actually talked to him yet because I'm kind of just letting him do his thing. He said the script for it was still being written, which makes me really interested in the sense of there's obviously a script for the music video so it's it's just got me really intrigued and just really honored in the sense of obviously an old school friend of mine who i haven't talked with in years has kind of yeah approached me and been like is this something that you would be interested in and i was like hell yeah i'd be interested in it but now i'm very much on the uh, on the back seat i don't want to necessarily message him and be like hey 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 we were yet we were yet we were yet but i know that's also not a bad thing to do as well because i, I am generally really interested and excited to do something like this because uh i've i in my own mind have been wanting to make music videos not for uh, like for you know popular music i whenever i listen to a song i'm just i go through so many images in my head and try and figure out what would visually look really cool for this and so lately i'm like i need to get a camera and i just need to start making music videos um whether it's for my own content or I put it on something, but I don't know legally or copyright or however that all works. But yeah, the fact that he he asked me to do this thing was really cool. So I think I will drop a message to him at some point. Should I, if you're listening, uh, hit me up, hit me up because I'm still keen. I'm so excited. I'm keen. I'm getting busier and busier. You need to, yeah, actually, uh, May's looking pretty busy. Yeah, 2021's <laughs> looking pretty hectic, actually. I've <laughs> got to clean my room and uh, <laughs> hang the washing out. So, yeah, get back to me next year. No, yeah, no, yeah. I totally understand what you mean. And sometimes pushing someone with a message can be the best thing because they go yep. like, oh, yeah, I need to get onto it. But you're right, sometimes you don't want to be that person that's nagging and they're like exactly oh, no it's these things just take time that's so that that's so cool bro like music video stuff was was a lot of the the work that i was kind of applying for in london mm. because a lot of it's you know freelanced with lesser pay that people with big agents would be like oh don't bother with that stuff and yeah, yeah. i got really interested in it over there i never actually did one but sometimes music videos can be a great music video can be awesome and a great showcase yeah. of obviously the music, but also acting. Um, yeah. So yeah, fingers crossed that, that, that comes through and, um, yeah, we see your, your glowing, glowing face. Oh, maybe not your glowing face. They may put you in some random costume. Music yeah, video is <laughs> completely bizarre. You might, you might be the dead body in the music video for all you know. Don't get too, True. yeah, don't get too excited. Yeah, you need to I won't get too excited. Like, so, yeah, exactly. so yeah, what are we doing? Yeah, um, I actually in the video or? <laughs> no, that's, that's sick though. And music video stuff can be such a cool launch pad to, uh, other stuff and it can be more freeing than stuff that I mean you, you said there's probably going to be a script but you know sometimes short films can be more stressful because you have to knock out all the bits of the uh, 
the narrative and continuity is a big thing mm. music mm. video because it's not actually the primary medium the primary medium is the music i would imagine it can be a lot more free and and fun so yeah fingers crossed that that comes comes through yeah, um i hope so anything else you know, random stuff you'd like to make or yeah well i mean it cut yeah i mean it, it comes down to my my like big show that i want to do with like multiple people yes. um i know what it's called it's called forking paths um you say that weird in an accent it sounds like something else but yeah forking paths the the concept of every decision that you make in your life will fork off into like multiple different you know, alternate realities per se. I'm I'm fascinated in, in alternate realities, just in the sense of what could be or what has been, or you know, like that. I'm just I'm so fascinated with that. Um, but it really comes down to the crux of it is, and I'm a big big believer in this and 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 how I live my life is that we wouldn't be who we are or where we are if things didn't happen the way that it happened. Mm-hmm. You know, like you and me wouldn't be here having this conversation right now if everything that has been before it didn't happen. You know, one slight shift in the reality could have taken us somewhere else and stuff like that. So, you know, it's a whole whole thing of being very thankful for what we've been through, whether it been good, whether it been bad, whether it been absolutely terrible, we wouldn't be where we are without it. Um, so, yeah, that's the kind of thing that this show is going to focus on and in this um whether it's multiple characters or just one character kind of coming with the terms with uh kind of like exploring these alternate realities and then coming to the conclusion of like actually that's no better off or being scared by it or something happens but i'm just yeah i'm really interested in that kind of psyche of what if we all do it we all say it you know like what if what if this had happened or what if i had done this or what if i had done this or what if i created a show that showed that and it maybe wasn't any better off or maybe it was but coming to the conclusion of like well that's not how it happened kind of thing so yeah that's 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 the other big thing i'm really interested in and i want um i want that to be a a bigger show um, not necessarily something I can kind of just stick on, stick on a small stage. I want that to kind of be like a, a big, big production, not necessarily like, you know, <laughs> massive, but yeah, a, 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 a thing that I would definitely aim for, um, down, down the track once I get a bit of, bit of running and, and, and things like that. I love that. I could see that being, I know you said six to 10. I could definitely see that being a six person show. Mm with three couples but then i mean again not yes. speaking to what you would how you yep. want to write it but the couples ch- changing yeah or exactly people having different experiences no i love the idea of playing with the audience's expectations of you get to know people as like because as an audience you have to make you put all the subtext together you're like right those people together i understand that where can my brain go to figure out things about other characters and then playing with that expectations of that is just a version of these people. And also as actors, that would be so much fun to have to build relationships with different people. With Um, different people and play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My, I mean, you may have seen all these before, but my homework to you for that show uh, would be three uh, different mediums of things that have come into my head. Um, Yes. The Matt Damon film Adjustment Bureau. 
I've seen that. Seen I, that? Yes, I know that yep, movie. Yep. Yes. Go back and rewatch that because that okay. has always been one that I've been like, yeah, what if everything we do is just on a specific path and what happens if you take the deviation? Yes. Um, yeah. The, I love the use of doors in that film as yes. well. Yes. Yes. So good. Doorways. I love doorways. Very symbolic. Yes. Um, Adjustment Bureau, uh, TV show-wise, the Black Mirror episode Hang the DJ, yeah, which is the I daily the one. Because yeah, again, that's one. a different side of like, what if you end up with someone and you kind of think you're meant to be with someone and you come yep. back to them potentially. Um, one of my favorite Black Mirror episodes. And then the show, the theater show Constellations. Oh, I, I, I saw when that came out, but I haven't actually seen it. Um, it came to Wellington at least once. Yes, and the I remember the when show it was in focuses on a couple. It's a great two-hander. And about how their relationship could go a lot of different ways based mm. on different circumstances. And there's lots of time jumps in that show. I think oh, that would cool. be a very helpful reason. It's, it's an amazing read. It's one of the, yep. the, the shows that you actually didn't need to see. It was great live, but it's really mm. good to read. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I, I love that premise of, of a show with playing with the kind of not necessarily the butterfly effect but how different choices could mean you end up with with different people would be great fun with a slightly larger cast and i see what you mean about you would need to get lots more people involved but in some ways it might be easier because if you decide six is the number you want you find the six actors that you want to do it it's probably the kind of show that you can just get everyone in a room for you know three nights a week or know a certain period of time and you just build relationships between people yeah whether they're Mm. fictional or based on real life if some of the actors know each other and then from that that might write the narrative for you rather than Mm. some of the other shows where you have to sit down and write and then figure it out that strikes me as the kind of show where if you found the people who you wanted to be in it you could kind of do all the devising work and the show would write itself, which is kind yeah. of the dream because you don't have to yeah, sit yeah. down and bash out the script for two years. True. Um, keep your mind for casting. That sounds great. Oh, uh, mate. Oh, no, of course. Of course. You, to, uh, you know, you're, you're always in my mind for everything. Yeah, I'll audition for it. And if uh, <laughs> you don't give me a call back, the podcast will be cancelled. Oh, you hear that pod? That's blackmail. That's, a, that's creative blackmail. Uh, just something we don't endorse on the Bros Roos podcast, but I won't cut it out. That's just straight up happened um but those mediums are uh obviously some some really good examples for people out there good segue into what are you watching adjustment bureau is a great film about kind of the what ifs if you take slightly different steps uh black mirror if you haven't watched black mirror before i'm sure you've heard of it hang the dj is a nice kind of i don't want to say entry into it but it looks at the world of dating and relationships and and what if you knew at the start of a relationship with someone how long you had, how long your relationship with them was going to last? How would that relationship mm. go if you knew it would last three days or two years or a decade or an hour? And then Constellations, if you're a play reader, it's a great show. Also about relationships and timelines and how could things go differently. Um, I'm I'm already invested in everything you've talked about. <laughs> it's not a great Good. surprise. I'd be invested in anything oh, you do, but, but, but it's awesome to hear your creative uh, prospects because, again, it's helpful to be accountable to, pe- to people. 
Yeah, and now exactly. you're accountable to our audience. <laughs> it, it, all of our right. audience. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think this is it. I think the more I can get myself excited about something, then the more drive I'm going to have to do it. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I think definitely that accountability. Um, and, yeah, if anyone's listening and likes the sound of any of that stuff and wants to get involved, please hit me up because um, we can start getting onto it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, nice to talk about sort of the things we've got bubbling over and, and yeah man and yeah it's i think with creative stuff the more you share it with people the more you realize how much you like your idea or if yeah. it's not quite fully formed and i think the trap can often be to keep it to yourself because you don't want to reveal it to people before it's fully yeah, formed. exactly i've yeah. definitely done that in the past but i think the way to go is to share it because not not only can you get ideas from other people but by sharing it to people you realize how much you know if there's legs to the idea or what kind of work needs to yep. be needs to be done on it um we should move on to our we final should. little final little segment for the week um what are you watching what are you uh, watching i i do, obviously matt and i are still chugging through our oscars uh films eight features in three and a half weeks or whatever we set ourselves is a lot I don't know if we're going to get there. I don't know if we're going to watch eight each, but our goal is to have seen all of the best pictures nominees between both of us by this coming Monday, because that is when the Oscars are New Zealand time between this episode and next episode, we will have written down our best, you know, some picks, some predictions, what we, who we think might win with, we think we should win. Also probably some uh, categories of things that aren't actually Oscars. Yeah. Like I'd love to do yeah. a most memorable scene or funniest, mo- you know, stuff that you don't want to ask us for, but from the films that we saw. Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. So we will be working on that between now and next week. We will have done all those uh, picks and predictions before the Oscars happens. And next week will be the Oscars episode where we will review uh, who the Academy Award winners were, how we feel about that in reaction and also revealing how our sort of picks and things stacked up. But the reason I bring that up it's not only to give you the listener an idea of of how we're structuring the show, but also to say that has been our main consumption of watching stuff, and we can't yes. really talk about that until the review show. So excuse yeah, exactly. us if, if everything else has been thin. Um, but I have seen a couple of other things in the last yes. week that I wanted to talk about. Um, Do tell. The first was a show at Bats, um, quite widely publicised in Wellington. Uh, it's Miranda Harcourt and Stuart McKenzie's latest project. Uh, very, very influential people in the uh, creative industry in Wellington. Um, Miranda Harcourt, uh, one of her children is uh, Thomas and McKenzie, incredibly successful uh, New Zealand actor who has kind of been taking the world by storm. Um over the last few years, I won't go into her IMDb, but Jojo Rabbit obviously being one of the big mm-hmm. features. She's got lots of other films coming out, but <clears throat> Miranda Harcourt herself and Stuart McKenzie, very successful. And one of the monologues that I did for the show last year, uh, Batch, the polylogue, was from one of their shows, from one of their, their first verbatim shows. And this new show that they've done, Transmission, is their latest verbatim show where almost everything in the show is taken from interviews with Jacinda Ardern, Grant Robertson, and, oh, I've forgotten the last person's name. I'm going to look it up. Very naughty of me. Um, I'll keep talking while I type away on my laptop. Um, (laughs) But it's basically a verbatim show about uh, 
the New Zealand's experience with with COVID and more importantly the experience of those people who were kind of at the top epidemiologist Michael Baker was the last person uh so those three people and I guess their stories from it and how they dealt with the different stages of COVID and these interviews started in July last year I think so quite soon after COVID Mm. all kicked off but uh, I was actually meant to have a ticket to see it this Saturday and realized that I couldn't go. And thankfully, I, through the grapevine, found out that they wanted people to go to the dress rehearsal to have an audience for the actors. Oh, so nice, I got to go nice. to the dress, which was great. Um, the show was great. That's the good news. The bad news <laughs> is the season sold out. So if you're in Wellington, uh, you can't see it. I think they will extend the season. It is the kind of project that the work is great in of itself, but let's also be honest because COVID is such a big uh, creative thing. This is one of the first big COVID pieces of uh, art in New Zealand. I imagine because of that, it will probably get a national tour or a short film version of it. So I'm sure you and everyone in the audience will get to see it in some amount. But it's a brilliant show. Whether you're a theatre person or not, uh, I would recommend seeing it if you have a chance to, if you're in Wellington, if the season extends, if it turns to a city near you, we'll let you know. Because it was so helpful to go down memory lane and just be reminded what it was like in February 2020 where things were just starting up and Michael Baker was talking about, the actor who spoke Michael Baker's words was talking about how people weren't taking it seriously enough. And how he had this deep anxiety that New Zealand was just going to join the ranks of the other countries because we need to shut our borders. And everyone in the government was saying, no, that's too extreme. Chris Hipkins saying, no, we don't need to shut the schools. And actually being taken down that memory lane was, I thought, very valuable to Mm. remember and be so thankful for where we are now, actually how well the last year was handled. But to go through Michael Baker, Grant Robertson and Jacinda Ardern's thoughts through that process was fast, was really fascinating. So that show was, was brilliant. And I hope that uh, lots of people get to see it as I'm sure they will, because it will undoubtedly not be a one and done type season. Um, The other thing that I've seen in the last week, uh, I'd be interested to know if you watch this when the big hype was around it, but I finally got around to watching and finishing normal people. Did you ever watch Normal People? Normal People. Sally Rooney's acclaimed book from 2019, I think. It won some kind of Book of the Year prize. Massive sort of young rom-com reputation, the book itself. They turned it into a Hulu series pretty promptly afterwards. And Mm. I would have said it was one of the big shows of last year that lots of people saw. Whether they Yeah, you've talked about it before, haven't you? I don't know. Did you mention it before? No? Okay, I definitely... I think I'm one, I'm, it's one of those ones where it was mentioned to me, but I didn't get round to it. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. Um, I did. I had watched the first three episodes before, so it is entirely possible that that was during the podcast, but mm-hmm. I'd let it sit and then I'd come back to it. I'm glad I didn't watch it when it first got released because it was classic, like getting sucked into everyone watching yep, this yep. and getting caught into the, the debate and the hype, I guess. Um, but it's brilliant. It's only six hours so 12 episodes of 30 minutes mm-hmm. and i read the book the book is brilliant um the title normal people kind of sums it up really it's just about a relationship that's super dysfunctional and getting together and breaking up again to get the the main couple and their struggles uh in monday island you know in our 
kind of generation and and the the difficulties of love basically but it's kind of unconventional i guess i guess that's probably what critics would have said is that it was very raw and felt like how relationships actually are rather than how they're often portrayed in whether it be books or tv or film you know the kind of everything works and then it doesn't you know Mm, this was mm. very gritty the tv show is is fantastic um so yeah it's the kind of thing that you can smash out and we hadn't friend i hadn't started watching it last week and so we bashed it out over the course of this last week i definitely recommend it if you were someone that didn't watch it because the kind of hype around it pissed you off the kind of the the things have settled it's, now you can go in and watch it without having to have conversations or being pressured by people but it's it's brilliantly made simple television in that it's only about these people's relationship and it's probably small budget in terms of how it was made uh, it's just very good performances of of mainly to the two protagonists done by really good writing so yeah i'd really recommend normal people as well nice nice all right i'll check it out chuck it on the list chuck it on the list i've still got a lot on the list that i need to get through away uh, things I started watching, I still haven't finished it. Then I haven't talked about it in weeks. Um, the list grows. One, it does I know, always grow. It does. It does. Uh, one final thing I will say, and I've been saying it the past couple of weeks, the final of uh, Falcon Winter Soldier is uh, out uh, tomorrow or today, if you're listening to it on, on the Friday when this is released. Um, or if you haven't watched any of it, go watch it. It's so good. If you're a fan of the Marvel Universe in the sense of like the kind of Captain America feel of that that cinematic universe and things, um, it's really great. Um, uh, Anthony Mackie and uh, Sebastian Stan do such a good job, those two together. Um, I think they also won an MTV um, Movie Award for the best uh, couple, <laughs> best couple on screen. Um, those two are really good together, um, and the show is, is really well done. Um, so, yeah, the, the final of that is coming out. I'm very excited. It's only six episodes, um, but they are a little bit longer than what WandaVision was. Um, so, yeah, this is me just really nerding over the cinematic, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's just growing and growing. The trailer for um, Shang-Chi, um, and the Ten Rings was released just the other day, and that looks so good. You know, we're getting our first real um, Asian hero in the MCU, so that's going to be really, um, really cool to see. Um, so, yeah, I will keep on advocating for that stuff. Um, but anyway, anyway, that that is that is what we are watching and and how we are feeling about these. But James, how's your drink? How's your beer? Yeah, it's it's complicated. As in the beer <laughs> itself is complicated, not how I feel okay. about it's complicated. Um, yeah. yeah. I think the the word whippy is really ap- appropriate because this is one of those beers that definitely has a a kind of dairy feel to it or like a vanilla feel to it. Yeah, um, I get you. One of the, the breweries here in Wellington, Double Vision, does a creaming soda ale. I don't know if you remember oh, creaming soda as a kid. I know creaming uh, soda. I think that's not just a New Zealand thing as well. That's an international thing. Creaming soda is a kind yeah. of vanilla-y, almost dairy-seeming it's like having a spider, right? Yeah, kind of. I would yeah. say this is very much down that end of things. There's kind of, and as it describes with the mango list, there's kind of a creaminess to it that I'm not sure is really my cup of tea. I've definitely mm-hmm. enjoyed it. It's by no means my least favorite of the, of the five beers I've had on the show so far. I just 
don't think it's in my upper echelon. I think I prefer citrus fruits, uh, fruity notes, and this has fruity notes, but I think the the spideriness, the creaminess, the vanillariness of it is not necessarily to my tasting. Like I wouldn't order a pint of this if someone had it at at a barbecue and offer me one i'd quite happily take it but i, I think it's almost a bit too complex for me if that makes Interesting. sense that makes sense that makes sense um and in terms of a rating i think i'll give it a 7.3 you know oh, yeah. again oh, I've, enjo- I've, I've enjoyed yeah. it but i just now that i've tried it i wouldn't probably go back to it if that makes yeah. sense yeah no that makes sense um, yeah, this Japanese rice lager has been very interesting. It's probably the closest to ordering a tap beer I've had these past five weeks. Yeah. Um, just that kind of lager, lager-ness of it. Um, but i got to say, the the more floral, it's way more floral notes than there is citrus notes. And it's almost putting me off a little bit. Um, it's been enjoyable to drink just in the sense of something different um but yeah i think down your route it's probably something i wouldn't order um out of out of off the tap um maybe if i felt like all of the other tap beers were really bad then i would um but i i I have enjoyed it It, it's definitely i would say my least favorite out of the five weeks Mm. so i would probably have to put that down at like a because all of the other ones i've rated quite high um i would have to put this down in like a 6.8 6.8 nice nice hey yep. they can't all be 9 point somethings and 8 point somethings exactly I should also exactly. say that Matt and I are endeavouring to work on a graphic that uh, writes up all the beers and the scores and our thoughts on them because hey that's a kind of nice byproduct of the show because um, if we go through the entire pantheon of New Zealand's can craft beers <laughs> by the end of it at least we will have some kind of rubric of our personal taste it won't do anything for yeah. you um, but we're endeavouring to, to work on that. Week five, 20 bucks in the kitty. Boom. We continue to grow. Um, and if nothing else, we've we've enjoyed a little bevy on a, a Thursday afternoon, which exactly. is not a bad consolation prize. Heck no. Bring, bringing the brew into the bros and brews. Absolutely. Any last thoughts for the week, my man? Um, oh, uh, honestly, thank you for uh, wanting to talk about this kind of stuff, man. Because like I said, I feel like I'm that type of person where if I'm talking about it and I'm getting excited about it, then I'm I'm motivated to do something, you know? Um, and that's why I absolutely love doing this podcast with you, bro, because every time I, I feel like we talk about something, um, it motivates me to uh, start doing it. And I think now that is the, the, the hole in the pit that I'm trying to get out of not working is to try and be busy from going forward now. I said I was going to take a break, but now I really want to start doing things. So the more I hear what you're doing and what I want to do, the more it's going to motivate me. So I thank you for that. You're very welcome. Um, and thank you for sharing your your mahi with me and listening to, to the stuff that I want to work on. And I guess to the people uh, listening out there, whether you're creative or not a creative, we hope that it has... Uh, giving you some kind of insight into people like Matt and myself who are constantly battling to try and get stuff made and some of the difficulties with that. But I guess the other thing that is worth us saying is uh, with projects like this, when we're trying to get them off the ground, it is always helpful to have the insight of, of other people. And I know that we say this on most episodes, you know, hit us up, let us know what you think. In this case, we mean it even more so because uh, if you have thoughts on any of the ideas that Matt and I have put forward, um, 
we would love to hear from you because often that can be the, the most left field person's idea or comment that can actually help an idea go from that kind of initial stage into to something else. So please, whether you know us, whether you don't know us, uh, personally, uh, intimately, perhaps, um, <laughs> please do, do reach out and, and let us, and let us know, um, what you think of any of the specific projects. Cause, cause you might Plant help make made and then you could be the executive producer and get some of that <laughs> sweet, sweet credit, um, whether it be financial or an Academy Award. Um, but no, thank you both for this week. Uh, thank you to the listener for, for sticking with us as always. And, um, yeah, I guess there's nothing else to be said. Uh, it'll be another week in the can for you and me, my bro. Look forward to next week. Have a great birthday. We'll check back in next week on the shenanigans, whether they were, <laughs> were bountiful or, or few and far between. But Thank happy you. birthday from me, bro. Uh, Thanks, in an bro. official podcast form for, for next week. Uh, and all that's left to be said is we'll see you next time. Stuck in the ground